This is Wesley Matthews, and you're listening to Numbers on the Boards with Jeff Skin Wade and Bobby Corella. What is up, Mavs fans? Whoop, 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 whoop. It is a party. We are we are hungover from an incredible weekend of happiness, joy, and some noble ray. Some finest from yeah. Noble Ray. Heck yes. I am Bobby Corella from Mavs.com. Joining me today is a guy who, my sources tell me, is solely responsible for bringing Luka Doncic to Dallas. He flew out to Atlanta on draft night mm-hmm. to convince the Hawks into making that trade. Yep. He is Jeff Skin Wade. Yeah. Your sources were wrong, but I'm going to go with this lie because it makes me look really good. Oh, well... If you're listening, sources, I still love you, even if you lied to me. <laughs> man, what an incredible draft day it was. Yeah. We, uh, you had double duty, man. So you were over at the math party. Uh, it was awesome Hall. over there. Yeah, I saw some awesome. really cool pictures of you interviewing Dennis and Harp and Sean Marion. Yeah, it was great, man. And then It was packed. I, I, yeah, I saw pictures. I wish I could have been there, but we were doing our show. Mm. And then I was down at the AAC, and I looked up, and suddenly you were there. You were like both places at once. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were, uh, it was a time Turner, Hermione Granger situation. Yeah. Cloning yourself or some such. Yeah. So, uh, man, what an incredible draft day. Yeah. You know, um, I was, um, I was going into this draft wanting to get a big because if you, and we talked about this a lot, we've talked about this on the pod when we had Jonathan on, uh, if you look at last year's draft, there was like no bigs. And if you kind of project ahead to next year, if you're nerdy enough to start doing that stuff, there's not really any bigs. This was you know, depending on what you consider Bagley, I put him in the big category, right? Yeah. You know, Aiton and Bagley and Carter and Jackson Jr. and Bamba and those guys all go five of the top seven. That's right. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, this is the draft to get a big. But the one thing for me that I take out of this that makes me super happy is everyone in that quote-unquote Maverick war room universally wanted that player uh, someone even asked Donnie, hey, was this guy number one on your board? And Donnie was kind of coy about it. I'm not so sure that if they had the number one pick, they still might have just straight taken Luka Doncic. They got their hey, guy. If he's your guy, then you get him. Yeah. You know, and they, they went up and got him. It's they awesome. They went up and got him. When was the last time? And, I, I mean, you're much more of a Mavs historian than I am, having been around, no offense, for so much longer than me. I'm an old guy. When was the last time the Mavericks traded up in the draft? Has that ever happened? I mean, I know they traded up to get – Devin, Devin Harris, Harris for but that example. was that was a pick in exchange for a player. So yeah, and that was also part of like uh, alleviating a log jam, and you know yeah. there was a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, you know. And was that did that trade happen on draft night? This is Antoine that Jameson happened on draft. Yeah, it happened okay. on draft day, and then keep in mind it wasn't necessarily related. But a week later, they lost Steve Nash. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's funny, man. In terms of like one of the darkest days in Mav history, so. The day after, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the exact day after the Suns signed Nash. And by the way, this ties into our draft story. We'll get to that it in does. a minute. Um, I went to, what was it? I forget what it was called at the game, time. Maybe the Goodwill Games or the World Youth. I can't remember, but it was happening at Moody Coliseum. Mm-hmm. It was like walking into a funeral. Sarah Melton, who's still here running our PR department, was just devastated. Donnie was devastated. I mean, they all hated losing Steve Nash. Um and so, uh, but it wasn't because, hey, we drafted Devin Harris, let Steve Nash go. They were unrelated. But um, I don't, 
I think it, it's not really trading down, it's trading back, but people have to understand the Mavericks knew uh, in the 98 draft that they could get Dirk at nine. Mm. They were only, their only real concern was Boston, who drafted at 10, would Boston jump ahead of them to get Dirk? But in order, by drafting Robert Tractor Trailer at six, rest in peace, and then trading down to nine, it allowed them to get Pat Garrity that allowed them to get Steve Nash. Yep. So there was a lot of moving parts there, but that was the only – it's it's what came to mind because what the Mavericks did was so bold, so daring, and so this is what we want to do. Yep. Let's put this plan in place and let's go execute it. That's why it felt like 1998. Oh, for sure. Because whenever you make the move, like you could sit at five and get a guy like Mo Bamba, who mm-hmm. everybody is very high on. And love honestly – I love Mo Bamba. I love Mo Bamba. Bamba – that was skin, not me. That yeah. Was, Bamba and Isaac together in Orlando is a lot of length, a yeah. lot of talent, and that's pretty intriguing. But they could have sat at five and got him. They could mm-hmm. have – I mean, Wendell Carter would have been there. There would have been other guys there that the Mavericks like. They truly that, liked that those guys, That could have been good too. players. Yeah, yeah, that they really did like. But whenever you trade up and get the guy you want, that yeah. is like – that is the exclamation point. You, you start asking people. You go – you kind of start looking about, all right, here's where we're drafting and here's who I think we'll be choosing from. You go, okay, what do you think about this guy or this guy? And it was almost like universities, like, well, I wish we could get Doncic, but they knew they couldn't get him. Yeah. And then if he's the best player, I mean, maybe second best. Some people like Aiden Moore, but in my opinion, he's the best player in the draft. And 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 uh, and you were steadfast with that. And there's a lot of people who are steadfast with that. And there's a lot of like the Jonathan Jonathan Gavonis of the world, and a lot of people who've been following this for years. Yep. That remember, if you go and look at mock drafts in November and December, it was Doncic number one, Doncic number one, and then I really. There's a lot of things that go into a draft pick that I think fans, a lot of fans know this, but a lot don't think about it. If you are, the Phoenix Suns are having problems with attendance. Their franchise has been just, you know, spinning their wheels. They've acquired guys that have been hurt. Just a lot of things haven't worked out for them. But if you are trying to get your fans interested in your team and you have the number one pick in the draft – and you pass on a once-in-a-lifetime big that played college basketball in your backyard, that is a tough sell for the fans. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses or anything for the Suns. I think they genuinely love DeAndre Ayton. Well, and they don't have a center on their team either. They don't. They have Tyson, but Tyson's an older player and blah, blah, blah. And they're probably going to let Alex Lynn walk. Yep. Um, But uh, my, my whole point is that that when you're trying to decide, okay, we love Ayton, we love Doncic, those are the intangible things that start pushing you in a different direction when you go, man, all our fans already have seen this guy play and they love him. We're going to be able to sell tickets immediately. So uh, I don't think it was an easy decision for them to take Aiton over Doncic, and that's because Doncic is regarded as being that good. Mm, yeah, one well, dude, real quick, just Phoenix's roster as an aside, oh, my God, their starting lineup could be like Booker, Mikhail Bridges, TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Those are – that's a pretty good team. They got to figure out who's going to be their ball distributor. Yeah. And maybe they can figure out a way to turn Jackson into a point guard. Yeah. I don't know. He's he can got, handle the ball. He can handle the ball. I don't know if he has the it's instincts. Unbelievable. But Bridges can handle the ball. De- uh, Devin Booker played point for them for spells last year. I mean, my God. you Like, I believe the Mavericks got a lot better on draft night by getting Doncic. But yep. if you're a Suns fan, you believe that your team got a lot better by getting Aiton. Right. You know? And, you know, I would imagine uh, Phoenix and Philadelphia, you just mentioned Bridges, did a draft day deal. I would imagine as Phoenix was trying to put a deal together, they were trying to get Markel Fultz out of the Philadelphia 76ers because they desperately need a point guard. But if you look at what Philadelphia is doing, 
they're stockpiling assets. There's going to be, as Donnie likes to call, a big fish uh, that they are looking to go get. And so I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why they hung, hung on to Markel Fultz, even yep. though he really barely played for them. He's still a tremendous asset. Number one pick. Number in one pick. Draft. Yeah. Okay, so Skin, I know you loved the big men. Yeah. But if you didn't like Doncic before, then whenever we had Jonathan Sharks on, obviously he's very persuasive. So I yeah. know that you became a Doncic fan at some point. Maybe you have been all along. I have been all along, yeah. and I, I just—I mean—I want to be very clear about this. Mm. Really, the the turning. No, point, you're a hater. You're a hater. <laughs> I know that <laughs> the turning point for me was the Mina Kimes article. Yeah, uh, and that was what February or whenever yep. that was. March. Which is a great article. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, man, uh, hey, man, talk to this guy. So back in, I think it was early December, we went to Minnesota, and I was on the road trip. And I remember talking to somebody in the team back then, and they were just gaga for Doncic. So this is not any kind of a new thing. Yep. But I look at it like, I guess if I was going to do an NFL equivalency, if you look at it and go, hey, there's four quarterbacks in this draft, and we have the third pick, and they take a running back. Because they love that running back. Kind of like what the Giants did with Quan Barkley just, exactly just this right. past year. If you love that guy, you go get that guy. But I just – I, w- I wanted a big player in this draft because they're so hard to get. But mm-hmm. that in no way do I want people to think that I'm not a fan of Luka Doncic. Yep. I no, think I'm not, I'm not trying to make it seem that way. But yeah. I, I think that you made a good point earlier when it's like when you're sitting there with the fifth pick and this player who's universally considered like one of the best or two best players in the draft, you're thinking, well, we're not going to get him. Right. So no what way. else is there? And How do we do there's this? There's plenty of quality big men. But the Mavericks got him. So now what happens? What is What is the – we heard Rick say that, that Doncic could play power forward. Mm-hmm. I think that that could be, like, maybe for small stretches of games. Sure, sure. I think he's your your opening night starting small forward. What is the – how's it going to work? How is this going to work on the floor? My thought is that if I were a gambling man, that Dirk will be coming off the bench with J.J. Barea and probably Dwight Powell – and maybe hopefully we get Doug McDermott back and maybe Dorian's a part of that mm. and you know maybe Seth Curry is healthy and I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about free agents but there was one guy that was on our team and was traded away and I could see him being back here and so I think it's weird that as we sit here on say the 25th whatever day this whatever is whatever day yeah I think our second unit is set and our starting unit is not I think the Mavericks will have substantial cap room and I think their sole focus – or no, 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 no. That's not the way team building goes. Their primary focus is getting a center, and I don't think it's getting any particular – not, hey, we just need a center. I think it's getting a rim-protecting, defensive rebounding center because as much as I love offensively mm. Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, Luka Doncic, and Harrison Barnes, that team gets their butts handed to them on the glass. Yep. Uh, and so, when, I mean, just generally having a 20-year-old point guard and a 20-year-old rookie wing or 19-year-old rookie wing is you're going to have a lot of work to do if you're the center. A lot center. of work. You know, you're going to have to cover up a lot. And so, and you know, we got to be fair. You know, when people start talking about matchup problems, well, matchup problems work two ways. Yep. It's whether you can take advantage of you. So, I've my favorite one of my favorite things to watch the last two years is Harrison Barnes operating up top like near the circle and he's got a four on him and he's got you know triple threat Mm. because he can either just knock down that jumper or fly by those dudes it's a huge mismatch the flip side is I mean like think about the trouble he had with Julius Randle for example Randle's a bull you know Barnes isn't a bull so it works two ways so I I think and I know Harrison prefers to play the three but he's a team player he'll do whatever he's asked but I think if he's there at four 
playing the four spot, we need a big guy that gets rebounds. Is and I'm talking about a guy too that's got a little size to him, not a little string bean. Yeah. So that's where the Mavericks' work is cut out for them. Uh, you know, we're not going to name names because we don't want to do any tampering. But you can go out there and look at who are in the last year of their contract, what teams have salary issues, what guys are free agents, and figure out in pretty short order. Hey, these are the guys the Mavericks are going to go look yeah. at. But then there's always, man, like last season or last summer, that Paul George trade just came out of nowhere. Like right. there's always just random yes. deals. I'm sure the Mavs have probably 15 different scenarios to well, go through. Let me ask you this. Had you seen anywhere, anywhere that the Mavericks were going to make a trade with Atlanta? No. All right. Absolutely so not. We were on the air doing the Ben and Skin show, and we had Donnie on at 320. At 3.30 on our show, Donnie says, we're a lot more likely to trade up than trade back. Now, if you're a rumor chaser, earlier in the day it was, hey, the Mavericks may trade back to seven and, yep. you know, and all this sort of stuff. And, and they so, were never throughout the entire process linked to trading up, really. I mean, until once. that day. Per- perhaps there was talk about Memphis. Yeah. But the whole – all that talk was about acquiring another pick because nobody thought Doncic would really get to Memphis. Yeah. Um, there is an outside possibility. Mm. And so – I was talking to someone earlier in the day, and they were like, well, you know, for the longest time, people thought there was an outside chance Trey Young could go to Atlanta, but that seems to have changed in the last four or five days. Everybody believes Luka's going to Atlanta. So, you know, that dream had died, and then Donnie threw that nugget out there. And then we're doing our show, and we're talking about the possibilities, and 20 minutes later, uh, a sports director at ABC Atlanta tweets out, uh, I'm hearing that the Mavericks and the Hawks are in trade talks. And KT, our producer, Kevin Turner, does such a great job. Had that guy on the on our show five minutes later. Yeah. And as we're talking to him, he's getting text messages. And so suddenly all this momentum is building. My understanding of it, and Cuban jumped on our show during the draft, my understanding is from the time that Donnie brought this idea that Atlanta had pitched to Mark to the time he brought it to him till the time that they figured the deal out and Mark actually talked to Atlanta's owner, the whole thing was 40 minutes. Jeez, man. Now that is – That is fast. That is fast. Yep. Usually these things happen over weeks and days, mm. you know, all this stuff. So that yeah, was – There's like the stages of tr- – there's like preliminary discussions. There's like yep. exploratory offers. And right. Like, and then there's like advanced discussions. And in, in that's like a week's long – and, like and, you and, said, that's, that could take five days. Yeah, and days. a lot of what you're talking about, too, is not even about trades. A lot of times it's about trying to get a feel for what other teams want to do with their picks yep. so you can make your plans, and there's a lot of poker playing going on and all that kind of yep. stuff. But I, I, wanted, uh, I meant to say this earlier when we were talking about going and getting Luca. So uh, on our radio show we have Stephen Jones, who does Donnie Nelson's job for the Dallas Cowboys. We have John Daniels who does that for the Texas Rangers. And one of the things I always am amused when a reporter says, the Dallas Mavericks are thinking this. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Is Cuban thinking that? Is Donnie thinking that? Is Rick thinking that? Is Keith Grant thinking that? Yep. Are assistant coaches thinking that? Are scouts thinking that? Is Casey and the uh, the training department thinking that? Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got a bunch of buddies that work in basketball, and, you know, you'll get together and there's ten guys in a room, and guess what? There's five different opinions. Yep. So one of the jobs of the person that makes the pick is to build a consensus in the room. Donnie doesn't have such an ego. It's like, hey, everybody shut up. I'm going to do my thing here. You build consensus. Stephen Jones has always talked about that. Uh, John Daniels has always talked about that. And if you look at the Rangers, guys he used to build consensus with, 
they're now GMs, uh, AJ Preller in San Diego and, and Thad is in Minnesota. So mm -hmm. what happens is these guys are good at their job. They go to other places, but the thing that the, the, the my original point is why I like this pick is they had built a consensus in the room that if we can get Luka Doncic, we are going to go and get him. Yep. That's the toughest aspect, in my opinion, of that job. And they did it, what by all accounts, rather easily. And that's why if you're a Maverick fan going, well, I wanted an athlete, or I wanted this shooter, I wanted this and that, just know that the brain trust that has brought you Nash and Dirk on the same day and has uh, you know delivered two different teams – to the finals where there's only you know jet and dirk were the only similarities they rebuilt yep. that thing in five years they've done a lot of great things they all universally wanted this guy they built a consensus and that's why i'm at ease with the pick mm. and for all of the i mean sometimes warranted criticism right of the mavericks draft strategies so they yep. a lot of the players on their teams over the last five six years have not been drafted or by the mavericks right yeah. a lot of the guys that they've drafted are not in the nba or play for other teams now but in the last 20 years, every time they've had a top 10 pick, it's panned out. I it mean, they haven't, they haven't been there very often, right? right. You get Dirk, you get Devin Harris, who was an all-star. You get, uh, obviously, Dennis Smith and now Luka Doncic. Yeah. So the higher they are, the better they are. I think. Yeah, and one of the reasons the Mavericks didn't have a lot of picks is because it, it all sort of started with the Jason Kidd trade. Mm -hmm. You know, give away the assets to get the guy that can get us over the top, and it got him over the top. And those picks, I think, became like Marcus Thornton and Ryan Anderson, Ryan Anderson who both yep. became fine players. But right. like, I'll take Jason Kidd over. Those and that guys. was the Mavericks' logic: was Hey, we've got Dirk. We're going to be drafting in the twenties. We need to get a veteran that can help him now. Yeah. Now that hey, uh, you know, I, just so it doesn't sound like we're all rah rah. I mean, there was a, a string of picks that were bad. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for whatever it's worth, Dominique Jones didn't work out. Jared Cunningham didn't work out. Roddy Bobois didn't work out, unfortunately, either. The last and Roddy Bobois was playing against Luka Doncic last week as, yep. as Luka's team was winning. Now that he's team. healthy, man, Roddy's having a really good career. He in, just couldn't in Spain. stay healthy yeah. here. And that's, he, he that's just, part of the problem. Yeah. But, yeah, well, I mean, the you know, the Ricky Lito draft, Jared Cunningham, there's – there have been picks, obviously, that did not pan out. but Obviously, they should have taken Draymond Green, but guess what? 29 other teams could have taken Draymond Green hey, higher than he Including the Warriors. Including the Warriors. Actually, yeah. So sometimes the guy just defies logic. Yeah. You know? But if you really look at what the Mavericks have done, us talking about in the last 20 years, they hardly ever have – top 10 picks tells mm. you how great the the front office has been yeah, and the ownership sure. group has been for sure okay so you get Doncic now pair him up with another top 10 pick Dennis Smith Jr. now I go on to twitter.com a lot mm -hmm. right well, a lot more than I should yeah and one thing that kind of that's kind of a um, a recurring concern among some Mavs fans including some people that you know writers or, or whatever media types is well there's only one ball and you have these two guys that both like to handle the ball. Doncic is in that kind of like Parsons, Hito Turkoglu mold mm -hmm. of like playmaking wings, right? Right. Dennis Smith obviously is like a whatever, Russell Westbrook, like pick he and wants roll. The ball. Yeah. So with one ball and two guys that want the ball, how are you going to make it work? I'm not worried about it at all. That I'm, is probably the single least worry I have with the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. Everybody's going to get touches. Yeah. So, and I, uh, I really, there's some great articles. You know, we had Jonathan on last week. Jonathan's article in The Ringer is great if you haven't read it. But go back and read that Mina Kimes piece. So this is one of the turning points for me on Luca as well. And I don't want to say turning. One of the things that got me excited about him was the way that Dragic spoke about him. So basically, for those of you don't, that don't know, uh, Luca played with uh, Dragic, Goran Dragic of the Heat, 
for Slovenia in Eurobasket, and they won it. They won, and Doncic was the alpha on that team as yeah. an 18-year-old. Okay, so his adult counterpart coming from the NBA where he had put up huge numbers, actually made the All-Star team this last year, didn't yep. he? Um, Dude, Dragic is so good. Dragic is so good, and he is a ball-dominant type player. And so Dragic said in that article that he had heard all this stuff about Luka. And keep in mind, Dragic had played with Luka's father, okay? And he said he had heard all this stuff about, oh, my God, you know, this guy's ball dominant. I don't know how this is going to work. Come on, I'm an NBA player. Said it took him all of about five minutes to play with him and go, oh, yeah, this is going to work just great. And it's because the same reason – don't freak out. I'm not saying he's Jason Kidd or Magic Johnson. But the same reason that people wanted to play with those guys, they want to play with Luka because he will find you and he is unselfish. So if he has the ball, he's not pounding the ball, hunting for a shot. He's trying to make awesome stuff happen. And if you're a good player, he will play with you and you will shine. Dragic loved playing with him. They became instant besties and they talk all the time. And the other thing is, is I can watch a, a, a clips and go, yeah, he doesn't look like the most athletic guy compared to NBA players. He's still a world-class athlete, but you're comparing him to LeBron and all these other guys. I get it. But uh, every guy that has NBA experience that has played against or for him is universally like, bro, this guy is an NBA stud. So I do not worry about the athleticism for that reason. And including – players who play with him who are NBA players so he plays on Real Madrid and if you're not very familiar with what goes on in Europe Real Madrid is basically like the Yankees of Europe yep they are incredible they're just like the soccer team they have all of the best players basically at every position so their entire starting lineup this past season is guys who's played in the NBA like Anthony Randolph they have Trey Tompkins who comes off the bench uh, Eddie Tavares is their center. They have Rudy Fernandez, who was in the NBA forever. Right. Uh, they he was had, a maverick for a, he was a maverick his rights were a maverick. Minute. Yeah. Uh, so at the beginning of this season, Sergio Lull, who's generally considered the best shooting guard that's not in the NBA, mm-hmm. his rights are held, I believe, by Houston. Uh, he's, you know, kind of – he's, I think, on the north side of 30. So he's probably never going to play in the NBA, but he's extremely good. Mm-hmm. He got hurt. He missed almost the entire season. He played 18 games this year. So your best guard gets hurt basically on opening night and misses the entire season. You think you're screwed, but that opened the door for Doncic, who became their starter. He was coming off the bench for a while, became their starter, and became instantly the best player on their team. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Yeah, so, I didn't know that's how the door opened yeah, for the I mean, 19-year-old it, to shine. He still would have played. Yeah. He still would have got minutes. But Lowell played, yeah, all of 18 games all season. He played just four EuroLeague games. EuroLeague is all of the best teams from all the leagues in Europe get together and play. Real Madrid won it. Okay, And Doncic became their guy. So you have Rudy Fernandez. You have guys that are like 30, 30. 32 years old even Mm -hmm. some guys that are in their mid-20s who are trying to get to the nba who are making millions and millions of dollars in europe they're they're like the gods of their sport over there and they are getting out of the way so Doncic can run their show and that kind of shows you and and europe is much more um of a meritocracy than the nba yes right you have if if you've been around you're starting right like it doesn't matter like salah medry was the third string center on real madrid before he came to the maps you you know what i I loved uh too uh is and i didn't really think about this much until we were getting deep into the conversation but because of what you're talking about where it's a bunch of ogs like the veterans in any sport okay we were talking about roddy remember when roddy got here and he would fall down 
and like hit the ground real hard and like jet would just look at him and go get up yeah like the older dudes they don't just give you stuff you got to go earn it mm. and i think the thing that really sells you to on luca being able to contribute immediately is how he was universally respected by older men like from the jump and not just respected like here's the ball go do like, it for us go run the team and they called know? him boy wonder or yeah. kid wonder is it boy wonder i think wonder boy wonder boy Maybe. thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. thank you that's right yeah uh, Dirk, by the way was the german wunderkind so, is that right uh, yeah, okay yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go so um but yeah i mean Doncic led their team in scoring and assists so that lets you know kind of how how involved he was it's very exciting depending yep. on um i uh you know we get accused of i don't know if you do i get accused of being a homer oh yeah I, for sure but dude who pays my checks you know yeah but I'm also I am a homer. Yeah. I grew up here. I love the Dallas Mavericks. I want them to win. So, uh, but I also think that I'm a, a reasonably rational, analytical person. Um, having said all that, I think that this team this past year was way better than their record says. Bill Parcells disagrees. You are what your record says you are. Mm. The reason I'm pointing that out, and we've gone over this many times, the ridiculous number of clutch games they played in and lost, and how statistically it didn't, it was a, an irregular year. Depending on what else they do in free agency, I really think it's already pretty close to a playoff team. Pretty close. They got to do things to put them over the top. They can't have their rebounding and and defensive deficiencies and really do what I would like for them to do. But I think they're going to be able to address that. And I think that people are going to – if it ends up that these last two years are as low as it gets, man, we've gotten really, really lucky. For sure, because there are teams that are still mired in that – slump and Look have at been Sacramento, for 10 years. dude. Yeah. Those they were uh, the class league 15 years ago. They were a long time ago. Yep. And they have been spinning their wheels and I love Bagley. They I, I love Bagley and Fox together. Yep. Good luck onto those guys. I hope good things work out, but we were just talking about Phoenix. Phoenix just they got Devin Booker. They shut Devin Booker down. They're not even developing this incredible player. Yeah. It's just it's a it can be a really long haul back and I I look at this I go, well, yeah, I'm a homer, but I look at it and go, I think we can turn this thing around pretty quick. And I think Rick thinks that, too, mm. based on the stuff he said at the press conferences. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, one last thing about Doncic and Smith together and kind of how that, how his addition is going to change the team. Yep. So assist percentage is one of my favorite stats, mm-hmm. especially with lineups. So it, it tells you how what percentage of your makes are assisted. So if it's like 60%, that is very good. 60% as a team, if you assist on three out of every five baskets, that's going to get you in the top ten in the NBA. The Mavericks were ninth last season or maybe eighth. I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head. They were like Mm 59.5, which is really good. Yeah. So their most used starting lineup of of the season last year was DSJ, Wesley Matthews, Harrison Barnes, Dirk Nowitzki, and Maxi Kleba. Okay. So that lineup – Assisted on 60.3% of their made field goals, which is good. It's pretty awesome. Pretty solid, yeah. Their second most used starting lineup of the season was Smith, Matthews, Barnes, Dirk, and Yogi Ferrell instead of Maxi Kleba. Yeah, going okay, small. So, so you're going small. So you would think when you're going small, that means you're going to get more passes, more assists, because you're playing spread, everybody's open, there's a lot of space. Well, that group only assisted on 50% of their makes. Hmm. 50.5%, which would have been 29th in the NBA last wow. year. Wow. So... How do you play small or play in more space, not go too bigs, and still get a lot of assists, right? Like, how you need a wing that can make plays. Yeah. And Yogi Ferrell's a very good shooter. I, I, I really like him as a three-point shooter. I mean, 39 40% for his career is very good. Yep. But he's not the kind of passer that Doncic is. No. So you slide Doncic in, okay? 
that lineup is going to be much closer to the second unit, which Berea, Devin Harris before he got traded, mm-hmm. Yogi Still, Dirk mm-hmm. Still, right. Dwight Powell. That group last season demolished everybody all year long. Right. They assisted on 70% of their makes. <laughs> 70%, so which would have led the NBA by yeah. a mile, right? You swap out uh, Devin Harris for Doug McDermott, that number rose to 72%. The Warriors led the league at like 68. Pretty awesome. So you're moving the ball better than Golden State with those guys. Yeah. That's not going to say that the Mavericks with Doncic now are going to be the Warriors, but right. like the ball is going to move a lot. And what the, that second unit destroyed teams. You know, um, yeah, and, and we were talking about this earlier, that second unit's kind of intact. The um, the thing that's interesting about, you know, you calling it small, and that's just kind of where it went. But, uh, you know, we talked about this last week where I went and saw Nelly. Yeah. And I was talking to him about this, about vindication for what you did and all this. And he said the most simple thing, you know, as people call it Nelly ball or small ball. He goes, I just played my best players. And the idea is that what it is, and we just haven't gotten there yet, be, that we're about to be there because I think we're at the generation where bigs know how to play. But it's, it's what it is, is it's skill ball. Yep. It's putting an emphasis on the skills of basketball, passing, shooting, and dribbling. And because, and I think because changes have happened in coaching and development, it used to be, I remember when I grew up, okay, you're 6'5", go over there at that end and get on the block. And, uh, okay, you're 5'10", go over there and start dribbling. And it's just a way of looking. Things have changed the way people look. And, obviously, it's, there's been an evolution, and magic was part of that. And then there's guys like Chris Webber, and all these things develop over time. But we're to the point now where this is why I was big on getting a big mm. is because I think the bigs in this draft will be able to be skill players yep. as opposed to just big. Because if all the big players had the skills, if five seven-footers had the same skills as five six-five guys, you're going to play the five seven-footers because yep. they're just too hard to, to score over and all these sorts you're gonna of things. You're going to put Giannis at point guard. Absolutely. Which is what the Bucks do. It's Absolutely. So we're moving. We're here, but we're even further moving towards the skill era. And as bigs have the skills that guards have, you're going to play the bigs. That's yep. just the way it goes. And so people freak out when they see that Carlisle says that Doncic is going to play four. It, don't worry about size. Don't, don't worry about that. It's about what's going to happen on offense. You can cover up stuff on defense. Dorian Finney-Smith can guard power forwards. Right. Barnes can guard power forwards. But if Doncic is playing four on offense, that like completely changes the way you have to defend the Mavericks. And, and you know it's uh, – I heard Brad Stevens say this when he was in town. Someone said something about, is this person a four or a five? And he said, we don't use that terminology. We're bigs, wings, and point. Mm. You know, and that's just kind of how it is. Okay, this this group will have one big. Uh, you know, well, wait, is he a four? It doesn't matter. You know, it's like it. everybody's got their own system and how things function. But, I mean – those delineations between four or five, it just depends on the coach and his system. There's coaches that are very successful in the NBA that don't see four and five. Yep. They see bigs, they see wings, they see point. Mm. And then sometimes you might want to have multiple points, uh, which is what you were talking about earlier with the, the Yogi lineup. And that's that. basically what Doncic is. That's what Doncic is. He's basically is. a point guard. He's just a lot bigger than most point guards. And, hey, and if, we, he, if he's playing four, that means there's one big, basically, right. to use the Stevens analogy. If he's playing power forward, he's not going to be out there with – Dirk and Sala Mejri. Yeah. You know, he's going to be out there with one of those guys. And 100 years ago, before our listeners were able to watch basketball, Nelly coached the Milwaukee Bucks, and he had something called a point forward with Marcus Johnson and Paul Pressey. Yep. And it's that's basically what Luka Doncic is going to do, initiate offense through your wing big player. And Dirk came up that way back in the day, too. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
So, moving on. All of our draft coverage, by the way, Skim, I meant to remind you earlier. Yep. All of our draft coverage is brought to you by Five Miles. I knew that. Yep. I knew that. I, knew, I, I, meant to for, I meant to remind you, but I was sidetracked because I was going on here looking for people who are already selling Luka Doncic jerseys. Oh, yes. Business is booming. It's booming. Yeah, so Five Miles, you can buy and sell items uh, locally, safely, and uh, at an affordable price. People in your neighborhoods. So. I like affordable prices. Yeah. And best part is... Like Luka Doncic, Five Miles is a Dallas product. Oh, it is! It is run by Dallas people. Yeah, okay, it's one of ours, just yeah. like Doncic. Support local, absolutely. Support local. Support local globally. Ab- absolutely, not just within Five Miles, man. No. Let's make it five thousand miles. How about everywhere? That? Everywhere. Yeah. So another one, another guy who is one of our own is uh, a man named Jalen Brunson. Yes. Point guard from Villanova, whom the Mavs drafted 33rd overall. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this earlier, uh, like before the draft, a long time ago, probably two months ago, about this draft class, because we were thinking, what are the Mavericks going to do at 33? Mm -hmm. And we were doing it, I think, operating under the assumption mutually that the Mavericks were going to take a big man in the first round. So we were thinking, all right, guard wing at 33. And I listed off a bunch of names, including Javon Carter, who went 32nd. Mm-hmm. I did not mention Jalen Brunson because I personally didn't think he was going to last that long. Mm-hmm. I thought that he's the kind of guy, he's a three-year player in college, won two national championships, point guard, very smart. His dad played in the NBA. He's just like... Player of the year. Yeah, player of the year. Yeah. Uh, consensus first team All-American. Like, yeah. Pedigree guys like that, who are also very good, mm-hmm. usually go to like the smart teams who are picking between 22 and 30. So right. I just did not think that he was going to be there. Right. Um, what if was. I had told you he was going to be the fourth Villanova guy taken? Dude, that would be crazy, too. Yeah. That would be crazy. And did, he was. Did, uh, did anyone else from that team get drafted after him, or was he the last player? I didn't see that. I, I think he was the last player. Okay. Unless I missed something. And that's wild too. hey but still just percentage wise four of 60 is damn strong oh, four of 33 how about that <laughs> yeah right, right is point. doing something um but uh yeah so i, I would have thought that he would be going to a team in that kind of late 20s range mm-hmm. because good teams need good players and brunson is one of those winner guys right, right? uh but he didn't go to them so the map scooped him up 33 yep. and now he figures to probably fit into the rotation at to some degree right away but I I just want to get your thoughts on Brunson yeah I think uh you know I I felt like Michael Finley's stamp was sort of on that a little bit and I know Donnie's was big time and I'll tell you why in a minute but uh I thought that Jalen Brunson wasn't really uh not I want to say fit here but a choice here because we are so guard heavy Mm. but one of the things that is probably a reminder to a guy like a Yogi Ferrell for example uh, is hey, especially when you're on smaller contracts, you got to go earn it every single day. Yep. And so I'm sure that pick just made you because remember the stories last year where Yogi was like, you know, everyone's handing Dennis all these accolades, and you know, Yogi's like, hey, I was second team all rookie, come beat me out, you know, and that's the way all these guys have to look at it. And mm-hmm. I, I thought the thing that really stood out was during the press conference, Jalen Brunson's answer is he sounded like a 35 year old veteran. I know he's a communications major, and he's going back to get his his degree uh, this summer, but, you know, his dad played in the league and his dad has been on coaching staffs. And so, you know, he was raised by a pro and he sounded like a pro. And so he was even talking about, he was talking about Dennis in terms of, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to come in here and make my mark too. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. not coming in here looking like I'm just going to be somebody's backup and go beyond the G league team. He believes in himself and he should his pedigree Totally supports that. Yeah, he was a three-year starter at Villanova. He played in 116 games and started 115 of them. And Villanova is not your 
typical one and done. I'm not even sure they had a one and done on this roster. That I was trying they won to the think, championship with. Yeah, I was trying to think back. I Wait, think uh, DiVincenzo was a sophomore. Bridges was three year. Brunson was three years. Spellman. I'm not sure about Amari Spellman. I'm not. And, I, and the, the he might have been a freshman. I'm not sure. Okay, don't quote me on but that. Yeah, generally, and like Bridges and Brunson were players on that first title team. Yes, and they came back. So yes. like he's competing against upperclassmen as right. a freshman, and right. he was still named the starting point guard, and they won the national championship. So yes. like I think he's kind of used to that yeah you know even though his dad was a pro so like you you'd think these guys that grow up in the nba are maybe entitled or whatever but there's no sense of entitlement with him in my opinion that guy's he's one of those people that says all the right things and has the right attitude very impressive if you were just driving around you turn on the press conference you'd be like who's this man talking right now yeah um okay so there's really cool symmetry to the jalen brunson pick and it also ties into the luka Doncic pick so what we've talked many times, in fact, we've had Donnie on, said so Donnie's basketball roots are incredible. I mean, they're just incredible. And so uh, I met, this was about five years ago. Uh, it was game night, and I'm, you know, all gussied up in my suit, and Donnie's walking with this guy. And he introduces me to this guy. I was like, oh, my God, that's who this is. Wow, amazing. I'll tell you the guy's name in a minute. But Michael Jordan. It was not Michael Jordan. I would have recognized him walking. Oh, okay. Up. Okay. But uh, but anyways, so uh, I said hello. I was like, hey, it's really nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Blah blah blah. Well, Donnie's relationship with this guy and this guy is very important. Goes back a long way because when Jalen Brunson's dad, Rick Brunson, was a point guard at Temple, this guy was a law student at Temple, and he sat right behind the Temple bench. And watched Rick Brunson and developed a relationship with him. Was like, you know what? I want to think. I want to get into this agency game. So this guy had one client, and that one client was Rick Brunson. And Rick was fringe NBA player. He bounced around, but you've got to get him in somewhere. Mm. And so his agent is making all the calls and you know trying to get him. So it's like, okay, well Donnie at the time was working for Golden State, working for his father. And so this guy's trying to get up and going because you know what Donnie's like. Everyone that works here knows what Donnie's like. He's a very gracious, outgoing, loving guy. Good dude. Good dude. He's a real dude. He's like, well, I know you guys are tight on money or whatever, so when when Rick comes out here to try out, why don't you sleep on my couch? So this agent who had one client who's struggling to make the NBA went out there. He slept on Donnie Nelson's couch in the Bay Area. Fast forward whatever it is, 15, 20 years, and when Leon Rose is representing LeBron James and he's walking around the AAC, his roots go all the way back to sleeping on Donnie Nelson's couch. So if you tuned in and heard the beginning of the press conference and Donnie is talking about Leon and talking about family, it's truly family. And so one of the comfort levels you have with drafting a kid is he won two or three championships. He was player of the year. I know his dad. I know his agent. I've known them for 20 years. These are good people. I can feel good about these people. And so that was a really interesting come full circle story there that was happening simultaneously. If you're listening, you also heard Donnie talk about Billy Duffy. Now, Billy Duffy is the agent for Luka Doncic. And then Coop asked the first question in the press conference of like, Hey, was there some mending fences going on? And if people don't know the story, so Billy Duffy was the agent for Steve Nash. And when Steve Nash left our franchise, it happened as soon as free agency started. And there was a deal in place. And it was like, well, hold on. How is there a deal in place? 
you know, well, some people call this tampering. It's a lot of the way business gets done. But the story famously was that Billy Duffy, had, you know, he has Steve Nash with the Colangelos, and here's the deal, and we want you to sign it right now. We don't want you to go back to Dallas. And so Steve Nash, being the kind of person he is, of course I'm going to call Dallas. I got to tell Donnie, and Donnie had been with Steve since Steve was, a, you know, a teenager, and I've got to let them know, and the Mavericks famously passed, but Steve Nash did the right thing and called the Mavericks. Well, I think it's stuck in Cuban's craw that, number one, the deal was already in place, and that, number two, Billy didn't want Steve to call the Mavericks. Mm. That was at 2003, do you remember uh, the year? 2004. 2004. The Mavericks did not have another Billy Duffy client ever again until they made a trade for Rondo. And that blew up in our face. So the Billy Duffy track record between Duffy and Cuban is not good. And none of this is to say that Duffy is a bad guy. No, or this is the way business is in done. In fact, uh, so I was talking to, to Sarah before the press conference. I mean, she was talking to a lot of people. It's right. not like you know, she was giving me anything. But um, she said, I'm so happy that we have a Duffy guy. She loves Bill Duffy. She, and do you uh, know who people else? People in our marketing department love Bill Duffy. Like, Donnie Nelson loves Bill Donnie Duffy. Nelson loves. And that's why he answered Coop's question. He goes, I didn't have to mend any fences. But it's also, it's like, I think it shows the evolution of Mark as an owner. You know, it's like, there's, it's a small business, so, you know, these grudges need to be let go. He let it go for the Rondo trade. That blew up in their face, but that's not necessarily Billy's fault. But, mm. you know, there was never a problem with Donnie and Billy. And so, Billy Duffy was very involved in Luka Doncic becoming a Maverick. Yep. Understand that. He was very involved. I don't think that I even still have a good grasp of just how influential agents can be but every time i hear you tell stories about them and you read some stuff and you it's, just hear some is. things and it's like there's i think that agents are super important and they're so much more important than even i think that it's, they it's, are. it's beyond what you can imagine yeah. i'm not saying you i'm saying mm. like when no you, it you, is me <laughs> you hear the details you go my god and there's not that many of them mm. uh and so you know, the, those relationships are so important. I just think one of the most amazing things is Donnie's ability to get along with everybody, including two people that are at war with one another. That happened, unfortunately, it happened, but Cuban and Don Nelson yep. went to war with each other and are suing and each Donnie other. Donnie is Nelly's son. Donnie is working for his bosses in a lawsuit with his dad, and yep. his, you know, so, and Donnie's ability to navigate all these waters and maintain his identity and be real and be authentic in a world where tampering happens. It's just, I just don't know if people realize what an incredible asset Donnie Nelson is. And that's why another reason why Thursday was so special is it just felt like a Donnie Nelson style day, did, which in my opinion, when Donnie is doing his thing, this great things happen for this organization. Yeah, dude, it is, it is unbelievable. Just to hear you talk about that story and, about these relationships and I mean you always hear the Mavericks talk about Dan Fagan rest in peace who was a big time contributor to their championship absolutely you know, I think where, like, seven guys were on the team that yeah. went to the finals in 06 Dude, I believe uh a lot of yeah pretty much if you look at if you look at his client list it's like oh math 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 yep. math, math okay okay yep. math and then Jeff Schwartz another guy who represented yes. Jason Kidd who was previously represented by Bill Duffy actually yes. switched to Schwartz Jeff Schwartz has been a big Mavs guy. Tyson Chandler is Jeff Schwartz, I believe. Uh, when I believe we got so. Him. Darren Williams was Darren Jeff, Williams, Schwartz. Jeff Schwartz. I think even Devin Harris. I'm pretty. I think sure you're right. Jeff Schwartz. Guy. I think you're right. Um, and also Happy Walters. 
Yes. Devin, Devin has two, I believe, two yeah. agents. Yeah. And Happy, Happy Walters Walton. was working alongside Dan Fagan for a little while yeah. and Sharon Klein. Yeah, things. and so you have all of these agents that the Mavericks have very good relationships with. It's never bad to have friend skin. Absolutely and so if they not. Can, they didn't have to mend the fence, quote-unquote, but to get Bill Duffy back in your good graces or to get be in his good graces or whatever. And I guarantee you, you know, Cuban and Duffy are probably somewhere on an island right now toasting. They Dude, got probably. something awesome happen for both of them. Why didn't they invite us? Uh, we're not that important. I've come to learn we're very no. – we're not important at we're all. We're not important? No. Well, that's a Sorry, shame. Sorry, man. I know. That's a shame. I know. Uh, okay, so the Mavericks, uh, their draft picks were not – their, their job on draft night was not done after mm-hmm. they got Jalen Brunson, right? They still had the 54th pick. They ended up trading that – uh, for two second rounders. So earlier this summer, actually, we were talking about how Philly and Boston have like a zillion picks, right? right? So the Mavericks traded their 54th pick, I believe, to Philly yes. for picks 56 and 60. And Philly took Shake Milton, who we talked about with Jonathan yeah. last week, the SMU guard that he yeah. really liked. Yep. And Philly sold one of their other second round picks to the Lakers. Okay. So, like, oh, yeah, that's right. You can stockpile second round picks all you want. I mean, Philly has had like 30 second round picks in the last five years. Yeah. Like, it's a joke how many second rounders they have. But it, it gets to the point where your roster's full. You got to get rid of some of them. Yeah. You know, you have to do something. So you're selling them or you're trading them or whatever. Well, the Mavericks traded down from 54 to get 56 and 60. At 56, they take Louisville's race balding. At pick 60, they took Costas Antetokounmpo, oh. of course, who is Giannis's little brother. Well, Yeah, his older brother, actually, nice piece of trivia, his older brother, Thanasis. This is Costas's older brother, Thanasis. Giannis is the oldest, but Thanasis, the middle child, he was taken in the second round by the New York Knicks mm-hmm. with a pick originally owned by the Mavericks, about that? who they traded in return for Tyson Chandler. All right. So every, every Antetokounmpo child has had a draft-related story to the Mavericks. Why the hell didn't year. we draft him? What are yeah, we doing? It's crazy, man. Okay. It's crazy. But uh, – so they get Costas. So whenever you're taking guys in the bottom five, bottom ten of the draft, right, yeah. these last few picks, right. generally we always hear about like Jonathan Motley was the 61st pick. Mm-hmm. Generally what we hear with guys between 50 and 60 is they're either going to be European stash guys, so right. they're, they're overseas players and you don't want to pay them, or you draft them in the 50s so you can get their rights for training camp. Mm-hmm. You can come in, give them a tryout for the team. Yep. If they make it, you sign them right away. If they don't, then you can send them to your G League team. Mm-hmm. And based on what the legends were tweeting – and based on just what you hear, what you think, it's it's easy to assume that Spalding and Costas both, or Spalding and Antetokounmpo both, will be playing in Frisco, likely. And but they'll be on Summer League as well with the Mavericks. And right. Almost and I, assuredly. And I think it's important to note here that uh, Cuban is uh, now a part owner of the, I don't know if he's the majority. I'm sure he's, think the, he's majority. the majority. Okay. Owner, of sure. the Texas legends, you know, Donnie owned it, pre- owned it pre- previously with Evan Wiley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that uh, that just goes to show you Cuban's investment in player development is as we move back towards, uh, you know, the one and done will be gone and the player development aspect of teenagers will be even more important. Cuban is investing even more money and resources into the Texas legends for that reason. So everything you're saying makes sense draft these guys get these picks let's keep them within our organization and and send them on down to the legends. yeah for sure and those guys will be working with bob mckinnon who is great amazing and yeah so I, I i can't find the tweet i'm sorry but he tweeted out earlier this summer bob did he was he always goes around travels the country and does you know coaches a bunch of people who i don't know but guys who are either in college or maybe playing in minor leagues or whatever he works with these guys and uh he said he was working with these guys. I think their workout was 30 minutes long, and mm-hmm. they got up like 500 shots or something, just like oh, something wow. outrageous. So then his thing, yeah, his thing, and Kyle Collinsworth has talked to us about this before. His thing with, with Bob is get as many shots as possible. Like, n- there's nothing like a game rep, but 
we're going to try and come close to it in practice. Mm-hmm. And just you're going to shoot hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shots because it's about repetition, muscle memory. It's about right. learning. Instead of me telling you how to do it, I'm just going to watch you do it, right? So I want you to shoot. So a guy like Costas, his older brother Giannis, can do everything on the floor, but his jump shot is still kind of the, the yeah. growing thing. Well, Costas has a lot of the same physical tools as Giannis. He's not as tall, mm-hmm. but he's just as athletic. He's just as long. And so if you can get a guy like that whose older brother can do some of the things that he can do, then you get Costas to say, okay, well, I'm going to work with you on your jump shot. And right. if you get your jump shot, then all of a sudden, boom, you're like a 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", wing, whatever. Maybe yeah. you're still growing like Giannis was. Because I think Costas was only a one-year player at Dayton. I think that's right. I, I, I remember. Yeah, wrong, but I'd have to double-check that. But he I is super that. young. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. He's super young, 6'10". He's got a you know a mile-long wingspan. He was a, a redshirt freshman this okay. past year, so a two-year guy. But anyway – that's the kind of player development risk that you're willing to take yeah. with a guy like Bob McKinnon. Who That's why you have second-round picks is to yeah. do those sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. And Spalding, uh, for those of you who might not be very familiar with him, uh, he is also 6'10", so he's a big guy. But he's more of a big. Like, Constas is going to be a wing, but Ray Spalding is like a center. We've had, a- we've had Lizelle on the show before. She's our Louisville expert. We may yeah. need to book her so she can – because she knows all things Louisville basketball. Yeah, unfortunately, I think she's still out of town. She was at the draft, so she's yeah. getting all your – if you watched the draft, follow it along on social media, by the way. Lizelle knocked it out of the park. She did great. And at New York. Always does. Yeah, getting Luca to take selfies and all that stuff. She's amazing. So, uh, Spalding is like your rim-running, big-time jumper, athlete, dunker – rebound guy he averaged what you said he averaged. i think nine. it's like eight and a half yeah is what i Which saw in college is a lot you don't yeah, get oh yeah. guys i mean bagley averaged like 11 and it's like whoa this guy's unbelievable right. so eight fewer minutes and, yeah. and all those sorts of things and generally you're not playing as many minutes anyway like, right even the big time heavy minute guys will be like 25 28 dude, minutes. the fourth pick in the draft averaged 20 minutes a game right yeah 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 well and dude carl towns played 20 minutes at kentucky yeah so uh you know so yeah big time rebounder and so it he is kind of like – I mean, I haven't watched a ton of his minutes. I'm just going to be honest with you. But in what I've seen from him, he's kind of a Brandon Wright kind of guy. Okay. Big, long, wiry yep. athlete, good hands, good jumper, good dunker. Harp would call that guy a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So – and he is going to be a guy who in Frisco, they always have really good guards there. I mean, they've had like Justin Dentman. Yeah. Uh, they had Pierre Jackson up there mm-hmm. for a while. So Bob McKinnon can always get point guards because point guards know if they play for Bob McKinnon, their next stop is going to be in the NBA. Man, I forget who – someone I was just talking to, maybe it was Jared Sandler because he knows so much legends basketball, was just talking about Pierre Jackson raving about uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah, and uh, so – Was it you that was telling me in that? In my article, Skin, if you read, uh, Pierre said, let me pull up the It was you that was, you told me this on draft night. I'm yeah. stealing stuff from you and telling it back to you. Oh, that's fine. That's, that, that is, uh, that's effective. Okay, so he said – uh, I doubt this is a direct quote from Pierre Jackson to Alex Kennedy, who is with Hoops Hype. Yes. So he said, I doubt 99% of this year's draft class could do what Luca did in the EuroLeague this season. I think he's super talented, man. The sky is the limit for the kid. Awesome. Earlier this season, another guy who would know who has experience playing over there, a guy named Chris Stapps Porzingis. You might have heard oh, of him. Oh, I've heard of him. He raved he's about Doncic, too. Yeah, he is. And he raved about Doncic as well. One of the uh, clips that they showed on draft night was Doncic hitting that little floater over Porzingis. Oh, yeah. I guess that would have been in Eurobasket. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. it was, but it was it was awesome. Yeah, well, and to your point about minutes that we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, Porzingis, before he came over, was playing for Real Batiste, which is a Spanish team, not anywhere near as uh, talent-rich as Real Madrid, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're playing for Real Batiste, you're playing with good players. They're pros, obviously, but you're not going up – you're not teammates with – 
NBA guys. Right. And Porzingis there was a super prospect, taking, what, fourth overall in his draft. He played like 25 minutes a game. Yeah. And wasn't getting a lot of touches. Yeah. Doncic was playing like 30 minutes a game in the EuroLeague. So he's a man. Yeah. And that's not taking anything away from Porzingis. That guy's no. a freak of nature. He's of really good. He's really, really We'd good. We love that Porzingis. Yeah. But Doncic was doing even more yeah. at a younger age. Awesome. It is unbelievable. It's exciting, man. Yeah. It is exciting. So, uh, so that is it for draft talk. I guess we're still working. Skin, I, mm-hmm. I know you've seen you working the phone the whole time that we've been talking. We're trying to get Doncic on the pod with us. I think we can do this. Yeah. I think it's probably more of a next week kind of thing, but I think we can do this. Okay. Because, uh, you know, he's not playing summer league, but I'm sure he'll probably head out there. He will be out there, yeah. Because what 19-year-old Slovenian wouldn't want to go to Vegas exactly. to hang with his new homies? Exactly. So it Even seems though like now he can't be gambling, he can't be drinking, obviously it'll be a family-friendly affair for right. Luka in, in, in the And desert. his mom was here with him last week, so yeah. uh, he'll be chaperoned. Tour the city. Right. You know, get, get up some shots in the gym. He is, if, And again, we keep going back to the Mina Kimes article, I'm sure he can find a Planet Hollywood there that oh, yeah. uh, he enjoys because he loves him some Planet at Hollywood, apparently. He could, he could go visit Mike Tyson's tiger out there, yeah. too. They can do a lot of stuff. Right, right. Uh, he did say he wants a puppy, by the way. So there's, there's okay. rumors that he wants a tiger, but he do, he wants a dog, a big dog. Yeah. I think he's a – so uh, thank you to Alan with the Mavs PR staff. He got Luca to call into our draft show Thursday night. Yep. And, um, and he's – you know, there was the funny – uh, Howard Beck piece with the video and the Jennifer Aniston and all that, but he seems like a very sweet, earnest kid. Oh, no, for sure. I, I don't think he's like, hey, bro, what's up? You know, yeah. Luca and this, you know, I don't think it's that. Yeah. No, I mean, he, I, his, he's kind of like portrayed as this like superstar sort of, I don't know, there's the gif of him in the pool, like putting right. his glasses down and kind of like giving you the thumbs up, like right. real, real like kind of fratty, but I don't, I think that's just kind of like the, a bit, you know? I think it's a bit, I also think he's, and uh, this may come, I don't mean this to be negative, but our social media and PR department will love it. I think he's somewhat malleable in the same way that Dirk was. Mm. Like, you know, Ben and I can tell you stories about early on where we were, had Dirk in a wig and fake mustache and Castroids, obviously done all these funny things. Mm. And it's like... Dirk is willing to go along with things if he feels like it's for the good of everybody. Yeah, for sure. It may not be his idea and what he wants. So he's like, okay, I see the benefit of this. Sure, I'll do it. I get that same sense from Luca. It's like, oh, this is good for everybody if I make the Tiger joke and the NF stint sounds great. I'll do yeah. it. No problem, guys. Yeah. I think it's more of that than, hey, what up? You know? Yeah, for sure. And like any 19-year-old, I was there, you were there. Sure. He just wants to sit at home and play video games and <laughs> eat junk food. I mean, right. that's that's his ideal day. Sure. So I mean, you got to get that junk food away yeah. from him. That's st- Well, he, give it to me. Share yeah, some yeah, with yeah, me. Okay. I could use some snacks. Right. Skin, thanks for joining me, man. Always fun, Let's dude. you out of here. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. Well, well you uh, have stuff to do as well. We all have stuff to do, man. We all got busy this. Time. We, we're busy celebrating Luca. Team Luca. Let's yeah. go. Uh, we will be with you guys next week on Numbers on the Boards. Hopefully joined by uh, a future MVP. Or do we want, no, we don't want to say that. Yeah, we just don't want Carlisle to hear us say that. Oh, okay. kill us. Hopefully joined by a future contributor to a winning team <laughs> there how about you that go. i can sell that how about that all right it is numbers on the boards he is skin i'm bobby we are out we will see you next week